Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. business of design, everybody. Can you believe it? Here we are at episode number eight. And I think this is going to be a subject that is going to be popular because we're talking about how to navigate the changing home decor media environment. So television, radio, uh, print, how do you get yourself known today as the landscape is shifting so quickly? Now, It's not every day you can introduce the guy who got you your very first gig in design publishing. That was in 1993, and it was for Style at Home magazine. Design pro and media darling Carl Loans phoned me out of the blue and said, I have an opportunity for you. Style and Home, which is one of Canada's uh, national home design magazines, is looking for a designer to produce a feature for the holiday issue. Well, I said, that's me. I'll absolutely do it. I'm so excited. Now, keep in mind, I had absolutely no idea what this meant, or as it turns out, I had absolutely no idea how much work it would be, an enormous amount of work ultimately it took to pull it off. But I have a yes personality. A lot of us do have a yes personality. And I was eager for the break and I didn't want to let Carl down. So I said, yes. Carl went on to explain that the magazine had a home in Toronto's Cabbage Town, and they were hoping to produce a six-page feature that included an overall shot of the living room and the dining room, all decked out for the holidays, which is so nice, and then a shot that links those two spaces, because you'll notice that in a lot of magazines. If you're thinking about taking photography for print, they like a shot of the main room and the other main room, and then they like to see how those two rooms connect. So always make sure I get those shots. Uh, In addition to those main overall shots, they also wanted several pages of detailed shots that would include all of my great holiday decorating ideas. Well, of course, I didn't have any holiday decorating ideas, so I did what a lot of us do, and I got busy looking for inspiration. Still, I said, no problem. I don't have any idea what I'm getting into, but I'm here. I want to do it. When do you need it? The answer was in two weeks, and I thought, I better get started. Off I went, full of good ideas, but as it turned out, it was July. So there's my first problem. There are not very many shops open in July that have a lot of Christmas displays. So I figured out a workaround by phoning the shops I used regularly and begging more or less if they would allow me to rummage in their basement or in their storage units for uh, decorating things. Um, Next, I had to come up with those decor ideas I mentioned and I went straight to the mother load, I'm not ashamed to say. I combed through all my back issues of Martha Stewart, 
uh, November, December issues because this remembers before Pinterest. Um, so that's what you did. You pulled out your magazines, big hefty magazines that you saved and lugged them from one home to another. Um, so I went through all of those and I updated it as I could. So I put my own spin on it. And with all of those ideas in mind, then I went around town to various suppliers and I purchased all of the things I needed to get the job done. Turns out there was still another hurdle, and that was that we were shooting this on a weekend, and I needed to make several trips in my car with all of the items I had purchased and borrowed. And uh, at this point in my career, I had not yet figured out that hiring a professional mover was really a smart thing to do. So I was doing all the lifting and lugging. And as it turned out, the particular weekend we had scheduled to do the photography happened to be Toronto's Pride Weekend. So if you've ever been to Gay Pride Weekend in Toronto, let me tell you, it is busy. It is packed and in particular Cabbage Town is pretty much gridlock. So here I needed to make several trips in my car to the very area that it was going to be impossible to do this in. In any case, I won't bore you with all the details because I'm scrappy and I did ultimately deliver a finished product. It was shot for the magazine. I still have the original magazine because it was just over the moon exciting for me. And I know how you all feel when you finally get published. It's just like beyond spectacular. So of course I kept the magazine. Not only did Carl get me my first credit in a magazine, a national magazine, which was so great, but I also learned so much from working with the art director and with a professional photographer. I was fortunate because Style at Home was relatively new, and subsequently they asked me to be design editor, which was a role I took on for 18 years, and I learned so much being part of a decorating magazine during those fruitful, busy years for print. Uh, but none of that would have happened without my buddy Carl Lone. So in addition to being an advocate and a friend, Carl is an interior decorator. The Washington Post and Arizona Times have called him the Dr. Phil of decorating for very good reason. Carl really knows how to speak the language of stylish no-nonsense decorating. His clients love him. And I mentioned previously, he is absolutely a media darling. He's been on every radio program. There is a whole bunch of television shows. And if the name is familiar, you may remember him from eight years as a decorating expert on This Small Space on HGTV. He did 152 episodes. Um, now, since then, of course, he's gone on to do a whole bunch of different television shows, and he's highly sought after uh, as a media ambassador for a lot of well-known brands, including KitchenAid, Philips, Starbucks, Nespresso. And what you're going to learn from Carl is that yes, you do need to have talent to make it in this business and specifically in the world of design and decor media, but you also need to nurture a yes attitude and be prepared to be flexible and accommodating. He's also sitting in a really good spot to share perspective on how the industry has changed and how that's going to impact you. And he's going to tell us how he capitalized on his own traits to meet and work with one of his idols, Martha Stewart. So Carl and I are going to talk about how the business has changed, how you can use it, print and television to increase your profile and build your brand. And he's going to share 
his 30-minute rule, which I had never heard of before, for getting the attention of TV hosts. So I think you're going to love it. Now, before I jump in and introduce Carl, I do want to give a shout out to our friends at Patrick Reynolds Media. These are my go-to people when I need to produce a video. Uh, We've done a lot of television work together, but specifically for my website, I will shoot home tours with Patrick Reynolds. And also they do all of our business of design um, videos as well. And you know, when you're launching a podcast, you don't have a whole lot of sponsors lined up to support you. So I especially want to say thank you to Patrick for taking a chance on us when we were brand new and initiating our sponsorship life uh, at Business of Design. Thank you so much for that. If you're in the Toronto area, Patrick Reynolds can do uh, not only video production, but he's a great coach. He knows all about branding and editing and all that kind of good stuff. And if you're not local, he'll do his best to find somebody in your hood who can help you. Thank you to Patrick Reynolds Media. For more information about them, go to businessofdesign.com, episode number eight. And now, I think you're all ready to meet Carl Loans. Well, it's not every day you get to interview your career angel. And Carl, you probably, I don't even know if you know that I think of you that way, but you got me my first gig in a magazine and uh, I'll, I'll never be able to repay you for what that did for me. So thank you. I know I've said it before, but thank you again, Carl. Well, you are welcome. And what, a, what an honor to be called your career angel of, of stats. That's, that's, that's great. You. <laughs> you know, every one of us um, who steps into this industry, we might have a little bit of talent. That's great. But you need luck too, don't you? You need, you need to get a few lucky breaks. And it's good to reach out and help that person who's on the road behind you. Well, I, I really believe that our industry is filled with incredible mentors and that the people that excel usually come from a mentor or some little bit of help or a little bit of push or something that happened in their life that maybe took them into this industry of home decor, decorating, style, fashion, whatever you want to call it these days. And I think that when you realize how lucky you've been to get help, and I certainly received help uh, along the way, uh, then you really feel compelled to give it again and pass it along. Yeah, that's a great attitude to have. And you kind of hit hit the nail on the head with your description of the industry, design, decorating, fashion, styling, wh- whatever it is. What is it anyway? And why don't we start by saying, how did you start in the design industry? Well, I started um, as a as a marketing and advertising graduate, and I took a weekend job at a friend's home decor store. Uh, a husband and wife owned the store, and they needed help, and I would work there on weekends. And I fell in love with the industry of home decor and helping people with with their homes. People would come in with questions about what size sofa should they order, and you know, can we look at the fabric choices, and you know, oh, I, should I get some accessories to go with my chair? And I just loved helping people uh, and giving them solutions. And I actually was quite good at it. Um, and it evolved into then people in television and magazines who would come into the store and say, hey, you seem enthusiastic about this. Can you help me choose some products? I'm doing a photo shoot or I'm going on TV and I need to prop and style things. And I sort of got my foot in the door that way. Um, I met a woman who who continually relied on me for products uh, for her photo shoots. And she would simply call me up and say, hey, 
I'm doing a photo shoot with this particular theme, pull some vases and I'll have a courier pick them up. That's how much she trusted me. And then one day she came into the store and said, I'm starting a magazine. I would like to talk to you about working for me if you would like to. And of course I had a full-time job working for a bank and I was working on the weekends at this store. So I had a real tough decision to make, but you know, I took what I felt would be best for me. Um, I was 30 years old or less. I wasn't making any money at a bank anyway, really at that age. And, you know, I thought, well, if it's, if it's going to make me happy, then I have to do it. And literally started to help design and work on a magazine, uh, took night school classes to, to further my own education. And then, of course, what happens is you get in, in a magazine and everybody thinks you're a decorating expert. And then the TV shows call. <laughs> and that was long ago when cable television was coming to Canada. Places, you know, shows like H or networks like HGTV were right. starting to enter Canada and they needed Canadian content. And of course, they went to the big magazines first. And then I evolved into doing some television. So a series so, of lucky breaks. I mean, we talked about that. You need a series of lucky breaks. But behind the scenes, I know you, Carl, and you worked so hard to get good at your craft. You didn't take it for granted. You weren't just you weren't just a pretty boy. You were also somebody who wanted to be to become the expert, right? Well, here here's the thing. I I am not a pretty boy. That's the problem. And what I mean by that is I never, ever got casted for television because I was hot or good-looking. I always got casted because of my knowledge. And I think to know our strengths is great. And I think that for the average person, that can probably mean a lot because, you know, some people say, well, you know, she's really, really beautiful and she's on TV, but what does she know or what does he know? Um, a lot, I, you know, I always said that in the early days, a lot of carpenters were casted for TV shows because they were good looking mm-hmm. um, and they could get through that, you know, they could get through what they needed to do. So I always looked at it and said, you, you have to be smart at what and passionate about what you're doing. And truly, I made sure that I knew what I was talking about. And I really wanted to become an expert in the field so that people might respect what I said and my suggestions I made. And then you become confident. And by the way, Carl's a handsome man. So you, you have both things going for you, but you, yeah. you didn't rely on that. That wasn't, you, you didn't go in as a, a 30-year-old beefcake. You, you went in No, with- and actually, and, and, and as a matter of fact, after nine years on HGTV, there was no longer a need for me. I was a man in my 40s. I was kind of overweight. I, you know, like I, I'm not an ugly person, but I don't want to talk about looks and, and be crazed with that. But they were looking for really young, enthusiastic people to entertain people on television. Right, right. And that became my time to go away from TV and try other things. Mm-hmm. So I always said that my career has evolved every seven years. I worked for a magazine for seven years. I worked in television for seven years. I did home show appearances and, and, and those types of gigs for seven years and media. So every seven or eight years, I had to morph my talents into something new, but try to stay within the home decor industry. Well, that's a good timeline for everybody because I think our entire body, every cell in our body regenerates within seven years. So you're always well, it, brand it, new it just, it just every re- seven years. It, it, 
it just regenerated again. And, you know, I sort of left, I mean, at one point, two or three years ago, I was writing newspaper columns. I was writing a magazine column. I was on morning television every week and I was doing radio every, every two weeks. And with the, with the, with the style of how media is going, all of that ended within one year. And really I felt like my identity had gone because I was known to be in the media, you know, all, every, every genre of it. So now I'm taking up the cast of doing broadcast media tours, which means I still get to be on TV. I still get tickets to contribute to media, but I represent products and the mm-hmm. products I work with are the ones that I like to work with. And basically, to be honest, they, they pay my time to go on television. Okay. So would you say it's safe to say that um, getting a gig on TV or getting published in a magazine is not in and of itself going to make your career? It's not going to make you famous. So if you're listening and you're thinking that I just need to get published and then I'll be famous, that's not what I'm hearing from you, Carl. That wouldn't be my experience either. No, you, you do not become famous um, for being on television or being in a magazine. But each media for, form, TV and magazines, offer very different things. So if you want your work to be seen, you go into a magazine. Because mm-hmm. very rarely do they spread those pages with pictures of you, the designer. They spread the pictures of the rooms that you decorate and design. Right. So images of your rooms and the style that you have are great. Then you put them in magazines. If you want yourself to be known, perhaps like I did with trying to be an expert, then you want your face to be seen, and that's where television comes in handy. Right. So there's two very different ways to do it. The other thing is, you know, for, for designers and decorators and stagers and professionals who, who live in smaller towns and suburban areas, never, ever discount your local media, as in the local newspaper or the local uh, television station, Channel 10, essentially, in your neighborhood because that will make you a local hero. Mm-hmm. And that's often where you want your business to be. Right. I have people clear across Canada that know who I am, but I can't work for them. I can't fly out and decorate a powder room for somebody in Calgary uh, unless they have a lot of money to spend on flights and hotels. So practicality says, what do you really want out of your business? Do you want a thriving business or do you want to be famous? And those are two very different things. Right. When I... I'm on TV all the time and writing for the newspapers and writing for the magazines and being on radio. That's a job in itself. So I really don't have a lot of time to help people decorate. I try to keep up with it. I try to keep in touch with my favorite clients and help them when they need it. But those clients also understand that I have a whole other side of a business that I look after um, who makes me what I am, essentially. Uh, So it's very different. Okay, so I'm one of the things I'm definitely going to ask you is if you've never been published, if you've never been on TV, how how do you get there? But before we go down that media path, I asked you how the business was when you started. How do you think the business has changed over the last 25 years? What 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 in your opinion is going on here? Well, I think that there's a lot happening. I think that when when I started 20 25 years ago, um, doing this, there weren't, there weren't, there wasn't as many resources for the average homeowner. So look at all the blog sites now where people who feel they have style can become a so-called expert in the field of helping people and inspiring people. Instagram, 
right? Right is another form of of inspiring people. Look what I see. If you like it, then I then I'll inspire you. So I looked way back then. I thought about back then, and I thought, you know, we were pumping out a magazine because there was only one other magazine in Canada to offer people decorating advice and inspiration. Um, there were maybe three or four TV shows on in all of Canada that were decorating. Um, now, of course, there's channel after channel after channel. There's the internet. There's blog sites, um, and almost the old-fashioned way of learning, like magazines and going to home and garden shows, are becoming a little bit defunct. So we have to find new ways to bring content, to bring inspiration to people um, that's easy, affordable, and also reaches them in a bigger way. Right. And have you been able to kind of track how the changing media has impacted your decorating and design clients? How has that changed over the years? I, I think that because I'm quite visible within social media and on tele, and still on television and in magazines and newspapers, um, it makes my clients proud when they see me or follow me because they know what I mean by certain trends or they've experienced them or maybe I'm even posting pictures of their own rooms, you know, in, in on a blog site or, or on Instagram or whatever. But I really think that your business is still about your relationship with people. And, you know, spreading it out there to everybody is a bit of a crapshoot when it comes to, well, who's going to grab this information and then hire me? Lots of people will take your information and they'll look at it, they'll take it, they might steal an idea, they might use it as advice, but how much of that actually comes back to you in the form of business? Mm -hmm. And it's all about relationships with people. And the biggest thing I learned in helping people decorate their homes is that if you're not willing to listen to them and give them face time, then you're probably not the decorator or designer for them. Right. And I know that sounds old-fashioned, maybe, in one way, but the tried and true relationship between clients and designers is always about the face time, and it's about listening and that client knowing that you're listening to them. Uh, it, it's the most important thing. If a client feels like a designer isn't listening, and they just present something and the client feels like it's not on jive for what they were talking about, then you've lost all your ability to connect with your client. Right. And most of us, I think, will relate to that because most of us, I think, are people pleasers and we want the clients to know that we have their best interest at heart and that we're here to ultimately serve them and make sure that they are they end up in a home and in a space that suits their lifestyle. And you can't oh, do ab- that absolutely. if you're not listening. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, uh, we talked about how so much has changed over 25 years. One of the things I like to do with clients is say to them, put a Pinterest board together of your thoughts. Sometimes it's not easy for me to envision what you're thinking, mm-hmm. so pull pictures. It could be pictures of prairie grass. It could be pr- pictures of silky fabric. It could be pictures of a bird. I want to see images of colors, ideas, textures, things that you really like and you could see in this room. It's not like I'm asking the client to do do my job for me. I simply want them to visualize their thoughts. And then all of a sudden we can look and say, wow, we can design a room from this Pinterest board or from these images that you've pulled. And then I go to work. Then I find fabrics and I find colors and I find textures. I teach them about balancing the room with what they already have to what they need new all these little lessons come into play, but you know, technology actually can help us uh, 
communicate better with our client as well. Mm-hmm. And have there been has there been a time in your life when you wanted those decorating clients more than anything else, or have has there always been kind of a weighted leaning toward the media side of the business for you? Um, that's a good question because I know that when I'm not in the media for a while, I start thirsting it. So once in a while I'll be sitting around and I'll think, you know what? I haven't been on television for about two months. I haven't, uh, no one's interviewed me. Mm-hmm. And not that I feel like I'm not successful or that I'm not wanted anymore because ultimately I have to put myself out there then to get what I want. And if I want more TV, then I go out there and I pitch ideas and I come up with new solutions and new ideas. A lot of people think that the TV world or the media world just rolls at us and that it's always coming at us. And sometimes that's not the point. Sometimes we're busier than we want to be. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I got got a radio interview this morning and I've got a podcast thing this afternoon and I've got a TV thing and then there's a newspaper interview. And all of a sudden you might feel a little overwhelmed. But trust me, after a month or two of not having any of it, you kind of wonder where that went and you kind of want a little bit of it. And and that's really the same with with, uh, clients as well. I think I think that we, you know, if we don't hear from our client in a month or two, and yet we know that they they have needs and they want to be doing something, we feel the need to reach out to make sure that uh, we're on par with them and that they still want us to be involved in their project. So it sounds like um, this idea that you just sit back and wait for the phone to ring it's not it's not an accurate view of any side of the business. Whether you're working with clients or you want to be in a magazine, you want to be on TV, you got to put a little hustle into it. Well, the, the, the telephone only rings um, from one end. If I don't initiate it, it probably won't happen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get really tired of that. Sometimes I'm like, am I always having to push and push and propose and pitch and, you know, for, for, for media coverage or for, and then, and then I think, well, am I just forcing myself onto my clients or am I forcing myself into the media? Like maybe they really don't want me. Maybe they're just being nice and saying, yeah, okay, come on. I don't know. Right. <laughs> no, media but, uh, definitely I, is not nice. <laughs> you know, and if I they really didn't want you, like they'd just the, say, Hey Carl, we don't want you. <laughs> it would not, there would be no polite diplomacy there. You know, I think you're right in that because now that I do these media tours, I have to pitch all the morning shows and pitch all the TV I do. And uh, there's some people that just don't return your emails, right? Um, But really, when you think about it, you wonder, it's a job and a half to sell myself. And this, I think all anyone in the industry, whether you're designing for people or in the media, will understand. It's a full-time job just to sell myself, just to get the client. Right. And then I actually have to do the work. Right. You know, I spend hours and hours pitching and, and emailing and following up and all this stuff with, with, with getting on a TV show. And finally, they say, yes, I'm exhausted by that point. And then I actually have to do the work and, and you know, go in and be on TV and all that. So it's not like we have a, a team of agents behind us doing all of this either. It's our own relationships that very often uh, help our successes. Yeah. Um, and the more personal you are, with the media, with an editor of a magazine or from your local newspaper uh, writer or editor um, to your clients, the more successful that you're going to be as well. Absolutely. And you have to be able to handle a little bit of rejection, don't you, regardless of which path you're going down? I always say, it's okay to say no to me, but just say no and let me move on. The worst is pitching or proposing and then never hearing. 
right. because you keep that pitch or that proposal at the top of mind or on your bulletin board. And until they say, no, thank you, you can't take it down. So for me, I always say, it's okay to say no to this idea, but just let me know in a timely manner so I can move on. Right. And usually when you say that, it encourages people to think twice about your proposal because they're thinking, gosh, she's going to move on and take that to the next person, maybe our competitor. We should look at this more seriously. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, with clients, it's the same thing. Here's my proposal. Here's a storyboard. Here's some ideas. Here's the cost involved. Here's the time factor. You know, give it some thought. But by the end of the month, I need to know if I should still keep this on my roster or I should put it off to the side. And only you can let me know that. Mm-hmm. With media, here's the date I'd like to come on television or here's, uh, you know, this spring I'd love to do an, write an article for you for the local newspaper. Um, here's my thoughts. Here's my ideas. I need to know by the end of the week because obviously there's other people to pitch. If you're not interested, P.S., I've come to you first. Mm-hmm. And I think telling them that is a compliment, but also a stronghold to say, I've come to you first, but I will need to move on if I'm not getting an answer from you. Right, right. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about money because um, there was a time when you could make a lot of money working in television and working in magazines. I'm not sure that's the case anymore um, unless you have a runaway hit. Um, a lot of television shows, people don't know this, but oftentimes the person on TV is funding the television show through some back channel. Um, and so they're really not making a lot of money. The networks might be making money on what advertising they can get, but that's changed too. And that's even tough for them. Absolutely. Mm. I think that there has to be a mutual respect and a question asked is why do you want to be on TV? Mm -hmm. Why do you want to appear? And I can be honest and say that for eight years, I appeared on a national morning show and I was never paid. I never got paid once. Mm -hmm. But what did you get out of that? 26 segments times eight, I produced and went in and did, and there was no money involved in it for me. There was marketing. There was um, filling that need that I wanted to be on TV. I think that when you establish yourself with a regular TV show or a regular gig, then it makes it a lot easier because you know the people you're working with and you're involved with and all the, all the stipulations they might have to make a, a show successful. But television is never going to make you rich, truly, at a cable level if that makes sense. So, Mm -hmm. you know, your local cable show or the HGTV type shows or the makeover shows, uh, television only pays out when you can reach masses. Mm -hmm. And usually it's comedy (laughs) or drama that helps not, not decorating ideas like, like what I do. Um, years ago it was new. And when you were on cable television, you had the opportunity to be exposed around the world. And, but, you know, most of those people made their money then from the offshoots. They made money from the book from the TV show, or they made money from personal appearances because you were on the TV show. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of benefits for being on TV, but it's a marketing effort ultimately that, that you've been given. Right. So you're going to have bragging rights in your community. Your clients are going to see you on TV. It allows you to raise your fees if you're doing design and decorating projects. But I have to say, in addition to that, or behind the scenes, you also want to make sure you're, you are an expert in design. Like I tried to make that point at the beginning. You can't just go on TV and say, this is super pretty and this is super awesome. And then take that into a client's 
home. You really do well, have to know Well, some people what you're try it, but, yeah. <laughs> it, but it doesn't last all that long. Right. Uh, that type of gig doesn't last very long. I think that if you're not an expert, then you may not have longevity. And your expertise could be on anything in home design. So just because you're not a know-it-all in everything doesn't mean that you can't be successful. You know, there's people that have made their, their, their fame and fortune out of being experts just in fabric, or just in furniture, or just in lighting ideas or rules or paint colors. So you can go into niche markets within decorating and be known as an expert, but to try to be an everything to everybody often doesn't work in our industry anymore because there's so much information available out there. Right. And part of what you said about television, how uh, it's not necessarily a place to get rich quick, Uh, that would be equally true or doubly true perhaps for print media. I mean, that's an industry that's just been ravaged. I know when you got me into print media, I actually made, I could have made a decent living just doing print media. Um, and I don't think that that's true today. I think it would be very hard to do today. No, I think that print media, like being published in magazines or having a column in your local newspaper or magazine is a great way to garner some respect locally or to, or to garner respect from readers. But most of those readers aren't going to hire you. Um, most of the television viewers are never going to call you. It's upping your what, up in your persona, upping maybe your value a little bit to those that do know you and want you. Your profile. But television, television is definitely a way for people to learn more about you as a person because your facial expressions, how you talk, your attitude towards things. Whereas magazines and newspapers, it's written material done by somebody else quite often mm-hmm. or edited by somebody else, and it has a voice to it that matches the magazine or the newspaper rather than you. So, for instance, when I had advice columns in newspapers and magazines, I would give my advice, and then the editors would write it in a voice that matched their magazine. Mm-hmm. And even though my picture was there, people relied on the information I gave more than how I said it or what I did with it. Right. That makes sense. Okay. So so for me, and this hopefully, if you're listening, um, this is helpful. For me, really, the money that I make, the salary that I earn that supports my lifestyle comes from the design clients. That is an industry you can still make a lot of money in. The television, the print, all of that stuff can, can uh, boost that up. It can give it a leg up in terms of your profile, but the real money is being, uh, I think you can still make with the clients versus being on television or being in magazines, but you touched on something. Well, you're not, uh, but you're not on television or you're not in a magazine unless you have something core to offer there you go. and the core bit, your core business is decorating people's homes. Right. So it all goes back to what do you do best? I decorate people's homes. When people ask me these days, so what do you do for a living? It's hard for me to explain that because yeah. I say, well, I'm, I'm an interior designer and decorator, but I also help companies design products. I also go on TV and show products and ideas, and I also write, and I also you know, write a book, and I also do many other things. So what is it that I do? My core, you know, when I get to the border and they say, what is your profession? I say, I'm an interior designer. Right. There's a lot. Of, I'm also the janitor. I'm also the guy that makes the coffee in my office because I'm the only one here. I'm also the guy that that vacuums the floor of the office. I do it all, but the core part of my business that I do best is help people decorate, whether it's through advice 
or through doing it in their homes. Yes, perfect. So what is the core value that you offer or that the listener offers to their clients? You know, and is it I work strictly with architects or I work strictly with a developer to do model suites or I stage homes? Mm-hmm. And that is an invaluable service to a real estate agent and a homeowner. Mm-hmm. Or do I help people decorate their homes once, you know, n- new condos? Maybe there's a specialty that you can actually talk about. Right. And any of those things can get a boost from media appearances. So let's say you're listening right now and you've got the design client thing down. It's good. You're making money, but you want to grow your profile. You want to grow your presence in the industry as an expert. How would you suggest people get into television and or print? Two things. One through charity, the other through local. Those are the easiest ways to start. So, for instance, with charity, offer to do a room at your local charity designer house or your Christmas house or whatever that might be in your town or your city. Get involved because chances are media will come out to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it might even be, um, I mean, for instance, I was a big fan of Martha Stewart. She was coming to Toronto to a food show, and I put up my hand to the organizers and said, can I design a green room for her? Can I design a room? Like, you must have a room set aside for her where her and her team will spend the day when they're not doing interviews. So I designed it. Such a great idea. And I got media around it, and I actually got Martha to quote about it. So you know what I mean? Like, Like, think of jumping into opportunities that takes your skills um, you know, I mean, Martha's people were like, where did this couch come from? And wow, how did you know that our, um, you know, how did you know that Martha likes white vinyl office chairs, you know, to sit in all day? Because I had everything all sort of done nicely. Right. Um, I, I copied her office in New York. I found pictures of it. And then I turned this green room into a replica of the office that she has in New York City. So they were all quite surprised when they walked in and saw similar things. It's that smart. was my idea about impressing them, but also getting a bit of media around it. Maybe there's a flower show or a Christmas show or something in your town where you can decorate a table. Maybe, the, you know, they often do the charity tables. So getting involved with local charities in order to show off your talents um, is the best. I remember you, Kimberly, wow. decorating a stage set for a women's conference. <laughs> I did. In Canada. It was crazy. You remember that? Yes. I remember it. Women of influence. I remember that. Yeah, women of influence. Yeah, women of influence. And I remember that you decorated the stage. And I thought, yeah. boy, she's on top of it. Because, you know, of course these people need help with the stage. Of right? course they want it to look good. Of course <laughs> they're going to get Kimberly Selden. She's the best designer in Canada to do it. Oh, so and you cute. did it. It I was, was a so little fun. jealous. I got and I got to meet Martha and Shirley McLean and I See? don't know, like Deborah See? Winger. Like I got and I got Bragging all these. Rights, I right? write and I have photos of all of them on you know the website back in the day, which was really fun. So, See, so that's what I mean is looking for opportunities like that, mm-hmm. and they can come up at any point. You know, maybe there's uh, a restaurant that's opening in your town, and they want to do a grand opening, and you could come in and say. You know, when your restaurant's finished, why don't I come in and do the flowers and, you know, tr- organize something so it looks really nice for you? I'll come in and style your restaurant for your grand opening because the media is going to come. Offering your services like that uh, on a charitable basis isn't such a bad idea. And then the other part, go local. You know, um, go to your local newspaper and say, hey, I've got this great, you know, or I've been doing some research. I found out that there's some great uh, fall trends coming up for this year, and I'd love to list the top five. I'm a local decorator. I'd love to write it for you. And chances are they'll say yes. 
Absolutely. It doesn't mean that you have to be paid every time as long as you realize that there's going to be value given to you down the road from that. It's an investment of your time to work on a project that I always say gives you bragging rights. Right. And the the other thing I would say, you've been very good at this. I've been very good at this. When there is an opportunity, say yes. When there is an opportunity, don't say, can I get back to you? Don't say, let me think about it. Don't say, I'm not sure this is right for me. The only thing that needs to come out of your mouth when somebody presents an opportunity to you is yes. And you might be terrified because you haven't done it before. Uh, but you'll, right. you'll yes survive. And, yes and thank you. Yes. Oh, my goodness. What an incredible <laughs> opportunity. Yes, I would love to do that. And thank you for, for bringing it to me. That's right. And then you hang up the phone and, and you think, oh, then, my then, God, then, what am I going to do? <laughs> and then you follow up and say, can I, now, can we talk more about this tomorrow? Let me put some thoughts together. And then you can actually come back to them with, well, I'm going to need a team of people, or there's going to be a budget, or this isn't really for me. But never, ever put a blockade up to an opportunity. Always say yes to it right away in a positive manner, and then follow up with it uh, with the realistic side of what needs to happen. Even when it's even, I just had a, a, a radio interview request for Monday morning. They want to interview me on the radio on Monday, which will be a holiday. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yes, of course. I'm available. I'm available. Because you know what? 10 minutes of my day gets me out to a lot of people sitting at home listening to the radio on a holiday Monday. Well, and the fact right? of the matter is the person who says yes is a person that that publisher, that producer is going to come back to again and again and again. I got someone an opportunity at Style at Home magazine to be featured. And she threw up so many roadblocks. The editor of the magazine phoned me and said, don't ever send me someone nasty like that again. I was shocked. I mean, you know how hard it is to get in those magazines back in the day, right? It was very difficult to to be one of the people who was featured. And you finally got a chance to be featured, and she started throwing down all these demands. Well, and here's an interesting (laughs) fact about magazines. If a magazine is published 12 times a year, chances are they're only featuring 36 to 40 interiors all year. Three or four full interiors are what you get right. in a magazine, right? So think about that. A magazine gets hundreds and hundreds of people saying they want their interiors featured, and that magazine has to choose 40 of them. So what so it's a can tough you job do, for the magazine as well. What can you do to make sure you're one of the 40 who gets picked? Well, you have to be easy to work with. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to maybe readapt a little bit of style in the home that, you're, that you want featured. So, mm-hmm. for instance... I'll be honest, most designers uh, throw their own home into the ring many times because it's near and dear to their heart. But when a magazine says, "Mm, we kind of have an issue with all your grandmother's portraits over the walls or the doilies on the back of your sofa, you have to be the first person to say, they can come down. It can go away. Whatever it takes to make this your style, sorry, whatever it takes to put my style into your magazine is what I'll do. And very often we find common things, you know, we find patterned rugs are taken away. We're finding Mm -hmm. more modern vases are used in spaces. We're seeing black and white photo images leaning on on mantles. And that's because they took away the old Monet-looking painting that was hanging above the fireplace and just leaned something more modern because sometimes 
it's not about you. It's about how you're going, how, how the magazine is going to inspire their reader. Right. And they know their reader better than you do. That's right. So a couple of things too, I would suggest know the magazine or the publication you're pitching to. I remember when we worked at Style at Home, people would send us before and afters. And I would say back to them, we don't do before and afters. Like, you know, and they'd say, oh, but it's such a good idea. No, no, you're not going to reprogram the magazine that's up and going and successful. So figure out what they do regularly and then match the photography to that style and match the style of the room to the look of the magazine, right? That's going to increase your chances. Well, I always appreciated when people would say, hey, I noticed in your last in, in the issue last summer, you did a lot of white-on-white-on-white white white cottages. I assume you're probably not going to do that again this summer because you showed it last summer. I have a cottage with color. Would that mm-hmm. interest you? Yeah. And I thought, these people are watching and listening and understanding the progression of the magazine. Very often, though, it's like, oh, I loved your last summer issue with all the white-on-white-on-white. On white. I have a white-on-white-on-white. On white. I should have been in that issue, so why don't you publish me? It's like, well, we already did it. Right. It's over and done. Right? Okay, so and that's and- what people think. What they see, it's like, well, it's too late now. We already did it. Exactly. Let's, let's think about the future. Let's think about how we can um, you know, uh, involve our readers in some inspiration here that's going to actually maybe get you business because you're thinking ahead of the times as well. Right. Another another thing to be aware of, I think, is people's names and how you spell their names. Like this, I'm talking to Carl with a K, not Carl with a C. Um, and somebody who writes to Carl with a K but spells his name C-A-R-L and says they're his biggest fan ever, right away you know you can possibly be my biggest fan ever because you haven't spelled my name right. So little you things you didn't even You didn't even look in the magazine at my name, yeah. right? Yeah, and you've got no, the masthead there. So the other thing I would say is pitch to everybody on the masthead. You know, really, sometimes, you know, Carl, you'd go out to lunch with the person who was in the art department. It's not their job to pick the home tour, but they might say, hey, I got this amazing pitch from this designer. Look at this. Well, and it it also puts very busy people, um, uh, it makes them accountable. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if an editor is just in a really crazy, 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 crazy busy time and you've pitched them uh, a home and sent pictures and they're really busy, they might glance over it only because they don't have the time right now to look at it. Whereas if they're in a meeting, and some, like you said, and somebody says, hey, I got this email with this all-white cottage interior. It looks really nice. You could go, oh, yeah, I got that too. I've just been so busy. And often it makes them accountable to each other uh, to look after all the pitches. I often do that with television as well. I'll pitch the, 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 the producer of the show as well as the segment producers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are having a bad day. They just don't look at the emails. Um, I'm not aggressive about it, but I make sure that everyone on their team knows that I'm available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that makes sense, of course. I want to ask you, is, do you think there's a way for the person who wants design and decorating clients to use social media to support that or grow that side of their business? I think, I think that... Social media is an important marketing tool now for, for uh, any business. Um, I think that you can gain interest from it, uh, certainly Instagram and Twitter, uh, posting pictures. But one of the biggest mistakes I find designers do is they'll post a picture of work they've done and why it inspired them, and it's beautiful, but they actually don't tell me how to get in touch with them or they don't include a website or they don't give me any information to follow up. If I've never heard of that person before and they have a bogus Instagram name, 
you know, like cloudy mama right. or something. <laughs> and then all of us, and yet they're a decorator and they have beautiful pictures. I don't know how to get a hold of them. So always try to include some form of contact information within an Instagram as a hashtag. Um, um, you know, I have a florist friend who does not call the business under her name. So she posts beautiful pictures of flowers, but she'll never get, see any results of business come back to her. Right. That's a really so good try point. To keep, yeah. And, and, I, and, and just try to keep that in mind. Even if it's um, a photo that you put on your Facebook page, you know, your personal Facebook page, you can post your art, your work in, people will see it. But tell me how to get in contact you contact with you professionally. Either post your your email address, post, or maybe not a good idea, but maybe your website or your Twitter account or something. Okay, I like that. That's a good idea. So now that you and I have have been doing this for a while, we're older and wiser. Although you know, when I look in the mirror, I look twenty. I don't know about you, but I haven't aged at all when I look at the mirror. Um, well, when I when I don't look in the mirror, I think I look twenty, and I, I feel re- and I do feel like I'm twenty. Um, when I look in the mirror, what I see is some reality, and the reality is that I'm actually very happy with the fact that I'm getting older because it means that I can take everything I've learned and probably be maybe a little more of a confident person. Yeah. There, there really are some huge advantages with being older, and confidence is, is one of them for sure. So let's say we're talking to those people who are a little bit newer down the path. What can you share with them from your perch, you know, 25 years in the business um, that you think would be immediately helpful? Stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop uh, watching what other people do and become obsessed with that. And then, and then, you know, don't, don't take your actions from what other people do. Just do your actions and, and, and sort of guide yourself through with, with those. So for instance, if you're constantly checking out other interior designers' websites and what they're doing and, you know, how did they get that furniture, you know, design deal, or how did they get in the newspaper and blah, 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 blah. Comparing yourself to others will never, ever allow you to be your own self because you're allowing them to influence you. And they're already leading the way. You're seeing the work they're doing, and then you're following, and you don't want to be in that position. So really it's about saying everyone's doing good. There's room in the world for everybody. I know that there's a space in it for me, and this is what I'm doing. And yeah, I'm going to check out what my competitors are doing or what other people are doing around me, but I'm not going to let it affect me. Uh, in the style that I want to uh, propose to people, mm-hmm. in my actions, in my in my social media, you know, some people really, um, you know, aspire inspire to or aspire to design furniture, or design some products, or say, gee, wouldn't it be great to have my own fabric and wallpaper line at a fancy, you know, fabric showroom? It's like, well, you can do it. I mean, I personally know at least ten people that started out the same time I did that actually have fabric lines and wallpaper lines and carpet lines and stuff with manufacturers. Mm -hmm. It's not a road I took, but they made it happen for themselves. So if they can do it, I'm sure many other people can too. It's how do you sort of play that game and get it done, but stop comparing yourself to other people and and the jobs they're doing. I love that. I can't remember who said, be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. Somebody like Oscar Wilde or something. I'll look that up. Well, I remember working at the furniture store many years ago, and across the street there was a competitor, and that competitor had a beautiful, shaggy, she- or shabby, chic 
uh, slip-covered sofa in their window. And boy, slip-covered sofas were all the rage. Shabby chic was just becoming a big deal. And I looked at the owners of our store and said, we need to get slip-covered furniture in here. Look what they're doing. It looks so great. It's so inspiring. And the owner of the store said, when our customers start asking for slip-covered furniture, then we'll bring it. But if we spent all of our time watching the windows of our competitors, we wouldn't get any work done ourselves. Right. Fair enough. And that sort of stuck with me to say, stop staring at what everyone else is doing and, and wasting your time each day. You could spend hours on the computer researching what other people are doing and what they're up to and all that stuff. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. And then never getting any work done yourself. Precisely. Precisely. Carl, you're s- such a great guest. I hope you'll come back another time and talk about just about any darn thing you want to because you have so much knowledge and so much experience. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on. It's always, you know, I, I feel bad that we have to catch up, um, know. And, you know, uh, in, in front of all, in front of all your listeners, you know, one day, I remember the first time that uh, we ever got together uh, to talk about your uh, time at Style at Home. We went to this like little German bakery um, in Toronto. You took me to this place and we ate like cake. <laughs> and... <laughs> I always think one day I'm going to eat cake with Kimberly again. We're definitely going to So one day we're going to have to do that soon when we can be in the same city. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about, maybe we can talk about trends or upcoming or, you know, it'd be really great how to find the trends and know that they're coming because we need to be one step ahead for our clients, right? Ooh, I love that right? one. You know, it's, it's a tough thing to go, oh, geez, I'm going to propose uh, purple colors. Because mm-hmm. I know purple's coming two years down the road, and I want my client's home to be, you know, quite smart looking. That's so smart. I love that. And by the way, Carl, before I forget, what are all the different social media coordinates people can find you on? Because you oh. always post great pictures of cake and food and baked goodies. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's my outlet. Is, is my outlet is baking and cooking. Um, I can be found on the, thecarlloansdaily.com, which is a, a blog site. Um, I can also be found on Instagram under Carl Loans Designer, um, and come and check me out and check out my pictures and what I'm up to and give feedback. That's the important part. You know, if you see something you like anywhere, it's always important to tell them that they did a great job and that you like what, what you've seen. And we'll have links to everything about Carl and a bio and all that kind of stuff at businessofdesign.com as well. I'm going to leave everybody with a couple of rapid fire questions for you. Um, just really fast answers right off the top of your head. Uh, and let's start with this one. Uh, I've never been on television before. How am I going to get my first TV appearance? You're going to compliment a television network on something that they have done that you like. Open the door with a compliment. I I really loved your interview with the famous book author so-and-so. I've written a small book. I'd love to be on your show. Love it. That's so good. Okay. Uh, Same thing, slightly different. You've never had uh, a, a room that you've done or a home that you've done published in the magazine of your dreams. How do you get your foot in that door? Contact people who work at the magazines or newspapers through social media. I can't tell you how many television shows I've been on by befriending or complimenting or contacting the host of a TV show and saying, I love your show. I'm coming to town. I'd love to be on your morning show. Uh, Who do I contact? 
That is such a good idea because so often people will say, oh, I, I, you know, I've never talked to you before because you have a TV show. It's like, are you kidding me? I'm, you know, especially in this little niche or niche that we're all in, we're all working people. So you're no different than anyone else. I did not know how to get on a television program in Calgary, Alberta. I contacted the host of the show about half an hour after I knew the show had ended, because I knew that she would be on her social media. And I sent her a message and said, I love the show this morning. I'm a designer decorator coming to Calgary, would love to be on the show. Who could I contact about pitching my idea to? Response was, oh my God, I love you. I've seen you in magazines for years. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I have forwarded this to my producer. Love it. And within five minutes, the producer had called me. Now, luckily, she knew who I was. But at the end of the day, it was the fact that I reached out, made a compliment, uh, told them my intentions, and asked a question. That is such a good idea. I would not have thought to time it. Well, I think that reaching out immediately after the show ends means one thing. They're on their social media. They're posting things from the show that day. They're accepting all their compliments. They're clicking their likes. And if you contact them, chances are that's when you know they're going to be on. So last rapid-fire question for you, Carl. If Mm -hmm. somebody listening wants to have a dynamic career like you've had, where you've got clients, you've got magazines, you've got radio, you've got home show appearances, I can't even list all the things that you've done, what do you think they need to foster in themselves to emulate that? You need to have a flexible personality. You need to be able to... Go with the flow. Again, never say no to opportunities. Um, and be open-minded with opportunities that lie within your industry. Uh, for instance, uh, approaching uh, the, the charity event or saying yes to doing something or calling a, a, a television station. Whatever you want to do, keep yourself flexible enough so that you can mold yourself to what they need, not who you are only. And I think that's really important. You know, I'll design a green room for Martha Stewart. That's not what I do for a living. But I did it because it was a checklist for me. And I think being flexible is one of the best traits that anyone can have in any business. But I think as designers and decorators and style people, it's really important that we allow our arms to reach into areas that normally we wouldn't. So for instance, like you decorating stages for a conference or me decorating a green room, those are things designers don't normally do. But we reach out and do them for a reason. And it's to grow ourselves and meet new people and create different opportunities. And when you're talking about the media, I think you have to be really flexible to say, what can I do for you? What are you looking for? Not just, this is who I am and this is why I'm so fabulous, you should feature me. Right. So flexibility. Flexibility is one of the biggest words. It took me a long time to sort of understand that. But boy, once you learn it, things just start coming to you that you never expected ever would. Well, you know what? Every good thing should come to you because I'm not the only person who you've lifted up on a career path. I know you're very generous that way and you really are a testimony to the fact that helping someone who's a little bit further behind you on the path will not hurt you. It will only benefit you. So thank you for being that kind of kind and generous mentor that you've always been. 
Um, You're very nice. Thank you so much for being on the show. Carl, everybody reach out to Carl Loans. He'll he'll get back to you because he's that kind of guy. And we loved having you. <laughs> Thank you. And, I'll, and I hope to speak to everybody again soon. All right. And we're going for cake soon. Yes, that's a good idea. Bye-bye.